0: Come on, we're super excited for that next week, you guys. Hey, listen, it's going to be uh, six presenters over the next two weeks. They're each going to have 10 minutes each, each weekend. And so it's going to be rapid fire. And you're going to hear from people that are sitting next to you, like right now, people on your rows, how they live their faith out in their lives, in their workplaces, in their homes. And so, man, I'm super pumped up to hear from some people in this church about how God is working in and through their their lives. So that starts next week. Make sure that you are back here for that. Uh, If this is your first time checking out Elevate Church, my name's Colby. I'm the pastor here, and we are wrapping up a series called Breathe. And we've been talking about breathe, really talking about the fact that Paul says in Philippians, you and I are to be a breath of fresh air to the world around us. Meaning that as you come into contact with your friends and your family and your coworkers and, and, and the people at school, the students that are going off to school in a couple of weeks, and all the parents said, Amen, get them back to school. Uh, that you are to live your life in such a way that you're to be a breath of fresh air. That when people come in contact with you, they're supposed to go, man, there's something about that person that, that they're they're like a breath of fresh air to me. And because Paul also said in Philippians that there is a way for us to live. That, that we can find contentment no matter what we face in life. That there is a secret to finding this contentment. And if I could just be transparent with you today, every message in the last couple weeks has all been leading up to this one. Like this is the one. This is the one that I want to share with you because if we don't get what I want to talk about today, then I would, I would say that we can't do anything else that we've talked about and learned about in the last couple of weeks. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your pen out, your Elevate pen that's in front of you or one of the 10 that you have in your purse or in your car and take some notes, all right, and jot some things down and really lean in today because I believe that God has something for us. How many of you know uh, that, that you tend to reject what you don't understand. This goes for a lot of things in life that we re- tend to reject things that we don't understand. In fact, that's some of my disgust with some of the hatred and racism and terrorism and things that we see in our our world is because people have such a a small mind. That they they decide to reject anything that looks different from them, that thinks different from them, that that acts differently, you know, than they do. And so because of that, we have a small world and a small mind because people tend to reject things that they don't understand. Are you with me? Or or how how many of you know you reject experiences that you don't understand? There are things that you don't want to do because you're not sure what's going to happen. Uh, That's why some of you have never been on a roller coaster in your life, right? Because you reject it. Maybe because out of fear, you just don't understand it. Uh, how many of you love to go to Cedar Point? Cedar Point, people, Top Thrill Dragster, raise your hand. Come on, that's my favorite ride ever. I waited, the first year it came out, uh, Top Thrill Dragster, I waited in line four hours to ride that thing. But I love it. I love going from zero to 6,000 in like two seconds, right? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, but when my kids got a little bit older and a little bit taller, and they could actually start to ride the top-throw dragster, we would get in line, and they would seem excited, but it was a nervous tension. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they would ask me questions like, all right, Dad, like, what's going to happen? I'm like, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. The light's going to turn from from red to yellow to green, and then it's going to melt your face off. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> it's going to be... It's going to be awesome. Like, just hang in there. You're going to be safe. We go up so high, yeah, yeah, but you're going to be safe It's secure. It's all that stuff because there was a nervousness, right? They, they started to reject something, an experience that they didn't understand. But how many of you know, as soon as they got done with that ride, they were like, that was awesome. Like, let's do that again. You know, we get back in line and do it again. I'm like, yeah, I told you. Your dad is always right. You need to listen to me whenever I talk. And they no longer rejected that experience, right, because they understood it. But I think the reality is for a lot of us, even the older that we get, the easier it becomes to reject things that we don't understand. And so what happens is in many of our lives, we fall into these, these patterns, this well-worn trail of, of the way we do things. And we're not going to veer off of it. And this is what I know. And this is what I'm, I'm comfortable with. And so we stay in these, these patterns in our, our life, even if that pattern's not working. We'll stay in it. Uh, we'll we'll stay doing the same thing in our marriage, you know. Even if we feel like, man, it's, it's, it's kind of lost a lot of a lot of you know fresh air in our relationship and things are kind of disintegrating. We'll reject any other way to do it because we don't understand it. Maybe we don't feel like it could even help. We we will will uh, not will we'll keep getting tempted and, and living in these same sin patterns in our life, rejecting any advice that our life could ever change, that anything could ever be be different. We live in these patterns and we begin to reject things that we don't understand. And the older we get, honestly, the easier it is to do, the easier it is to stay there in that pattern. And this is also true for our religion and for our experience with, with God, our relationship with Him. If you're not careful, we can get stuck into a pattern of doing things. Well, I come to church, on the weekend, I, I may or may not be in a, a small group and we'll get in this, this pattern of a certain way to live out our faith. And then we reject that anything could be different in our life, that anything could, could change because we don't understand. Maybe uh, there's been a misconception or, or an, a misunderstanding that something that has potential to be powerful in our life, we can't wrap our mind around. And so we reject that anything could be different. And so we say, this is how God moves This is how we should move or could move in my life. But we'll reject anything other than that because we don't understand it. And I want to talk to you about that today because I don't know if you've ever asked this question. I know I have. Um, For those of you that are followers of Jesus, and I know that's not everyone in this room. Like for some of you, you're just checking out, you know, God and trying to figure this out. I'm so glad that you're here. You're very, very welcome here. I, I don't know for all the followers, though, if you've ever asked this question in trying to pursue God. And trying to maybe get over some, some sinful patterns in your own life, Have you ever asked this? Am I missing something? Anybody be honest and say you've asked that? Like, am I missing something? Like, is it really supposed to be this hard? You ever thought that? Am I really supposed to like, try and try and fail and try and, and fail over and over? Am I missing something? I discovered, at least for me, that I was. When I asked that question, I was missing something in my, my life that there really is what Paul was talking about, this secret, this intangible power that allows me to live life at a different level. And I want to share that with you today. Uh, how many of you remember that kid in school that knew the answer to everything? You remember that kid? If you're not raising your hand, you were that kid, all right? <laughs> we didn't like you. We secretly hated you. We want to punch you in the face. No, I'm kidding. We don't do that. But you know that kid that knows the answer to everything and if you ask him one thing, you're like, hey, man, can you just tell me, like, one thing? I'm not trying to cheat on a test. I just need this one thing, you know, so I can continue to move on. And his response or her response was always, nope, I can't tell you. Because if I told you the answer, then you would not get the reward of doing the work for yourself. And there's reward in doing the work on your own. I'm like, shut up. I don't want to hear that. Like, I just want the answer, right? Like, I'm a, I, I want to move on. I'm a pragmatist. I don't think I'm ever going to use Algebra again in my life. Just give me the answer. I'm never going to have to solve for x. I'm never going to have to multiply fractions, all right? That's nothing against all the algebra teachers in the room or in the world. You are wonderful and beautiful and blessed and highly favored in the kingdom of God that we're just, we love you. But I was like, just give me the answer. There's a reward in that. No, there's not a reward. Today, I'm going to give you the answer. But here's what I'm afraid of you don't really want the answer. And the reason why some of you might not want the answer is because you won't won't like the answer. Because perhaps you have some preconceived uh, notions or ideas about about the answer. Uh, Maybe some experiences about what I want to talk to you about this morning. When I give you the answer, you might want to tune out and go, well, that can't be it. And can I just say, I understand that, if that's your response, because I was there too. I was in that that place, but I want to give you the answer that I believe has the power to, to change our lives, the power to give us this contentment, this joy, this peace, no matter what it is that we, we face. And here's what I don't want to happen I don't want anybody to get to heaven and go, Wait a second, you mean I could have ridden the top thrill dragster and it would have been awesome? You mean I, I could have had power uh, over some of these areas in my life? I could have lived that way, but we didn't because we rejected what we didn't understand. That's what I don't want for anyone in this room. And so if I could today, I would would men in black you. You know what I mean? Men in black, like a little blinky thing. And I would erase every preconceived notion that you have. I would do that about a lot of things about the church, by the way. And I would just say, let's just look at what God's word has to say. Don't take my word for it or anyone else's, like, let's just open up the scriptures and say, all right, God, what do you have for us? What, what is it that you want to do? And let's just go with that, because I came to a place in my journey where I was saved. I, I trusted Jesus for salvation. Uh, I, I, knew, I knew God. I, I knew where I was going when I, I died, but I also was at this place where I'm like, man, this is a lot of effort for not a lot of result. This is a, a, lot of, a lot of trying and a lot of failing and a lot of not moving beyond, you know, what I, what I was experiencing. Not a lot of power in my life. Like, I knew scripture. I could tell you some of the doctrines of the church and explain it to you. I could share the gospel with you and lead people to, to Jesus. But on the inside, I'm going, man, there's got to be something more. Because I feel like there's something missing. And I would do the Christian thing, and I would put on the smile, I'd put on the face, I'd walk into church and, and not have any joy or peace or contentment in my life to speak of. And what began to change all that, and I believe the answer for us is I began to develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know for some of you, as soon as I say that, you're like, uh-oh, is one of those places. Like, honey, pack up the kids, we're out of here, we had a nice run at Elevate Church, let's move on. And can I just say, don't do that. Don't do that. this This is a time for us to really just look at what God's word has to say about it, for us to lay down some of those preconceived notions and ideas, the things that we rejected because maybe we didn't understand. And I don't want you to write off the one thing that I believe has the potential to be powerful in your life. I don't want you to write off the one thing that I believe. Paul says, hey, there's the secret to my contentment. There's a secret that I can have, have joy in the face of trials because how many of you know we desperately need that? I mean, look at what happened in our own city this past week. We need peace. Like, we need hope. We need joy in the middle of whatever it is that we face. And so I believe that, that God's Spirit really is the answer for a lot of that. Now, I don't know how you grew up. Maybe you grew up like me, but we didn't call him the Holy Spirit. We called him the Holy Ghost. Ghost. And I don't do ghosts, all right? I'm afraid of ghosts. And for some of you, you're like, I, I, don't, do, I don't do the ghost. And, and I was taught growing up, stay away from the ghost. Stay away from people that have the ghost. You know, if you get around people that have the ghost, then, then you're going to go to church with them. And they go to church for like six hours at a time. And, and there's you know, all kinds of stuff happening. Like stay away from the ghost. And what ended up happening, at least for me, I was happy with two-thirds of God. I was good with God the Father, I I really loved Jesus, but I didn't know what to do with or how to deal with the Holy Ghost, this whole side of it. And can I just tell you, the Holy Spirit is not a ghost. He's not the author of confusion, he's not the author of, of weirdness, like if someone is weird, don't blame that on the Holy Spirit, they were weird to begin with, you know what I'm talking about? They were weird before they met God. They're going to be weird after God. They're going to be weird before, t- until they get to heaven, you know, perhaps. Maybe they missed their meds that day. Whatever it is, that's not the Holy Spirit. And so if you'll hang with me, I just want to go through God's word and give us an understanding of who he is. Because I don't want us to go through life wishing we had power in our life, reading things like greater things than these that you're going to do in my name and none of us ever experienced that. And live life frustrated. Live life in these well-worn patterns where nothing ever changes, where we're afraid to veer off the trails that we have worn out. And so I'm asking that you'd approach this today with a blank page. All right, let's just look at God's word. Let's get rid of all the things, the negative experiences that you've had. I've had them too. And let's approach God's word with a, a blank page because the reality is we desperately need God's spirit in our life. So let's start first by talking about the word, what the word means. Spirit. Jot that down. It occurs over eight hundred times, by the way, in the Scripture, in God's word, um, in two different languages, in the original Hebrew for the Old Testament and Greek in the the New Testament. And so, first, let's talk about the Old Testament word for spirit or ghost. The original Hebrew is this word right here. It is ruach everybody say ruach And if you're going to say it right like a good hebrew you have to say it like you have a piece of popcorn stuck in the back of your throat like ruach you know like you got to try to get that out of there but let's look what the word means check out the actual definition not ghost ruach means a wind a breath a violent exhalation or a blast of breath that's not ghost that's not spirit In fact, the first place it shows up in the scripture uh, where he is referenced is in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Ruach, the spirit of God, was hovering over the waters. Now it should read that the breath of God or the wind of God was hovering over the waters. But there was this challenge that the translators had in, in translating the original Hebrew into English. I don't know if you realize this, and I'm not knocking the English language, which, which I speak, right? Um, but we have a very limited vocabulary. Like compared to other languages, our, our language is pretty limited. Like we have one word for love. The Greeks, they have four words to describe the one word love that we have with different meanings. They have one for, like, brotherly love, one for the love of God, one for, like, romantic love. So they have a much more expanded vocabulary than we do. So there was this translating dilemma. Like, what do we call this? This wind, this breath of God. So we said, hey, let's go with ghost. That sounds good. Let's call it ghost, or let's call it spirit. So when the translators were, were searching for that word, and we read it, it says, the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I don't know what comes to mind, but when you read it like the breath of God, or you read it like God breathed, or the wind of God was over the waters, it makes a little more sense when you read it that way. In the New Testament, the word is this right here, is the word pneuma, not panuma, all right? The P is silent, so if you wanna sound smart, there's a Greek word for you. Uh, It's pneuma, and look what it means. Same thing. Same thing in the New Testament: a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong wind, a strong breeze. So that's the literal meaning of the word that we see over and over again in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Here one of the places a word is used in the New Testament, John 663. it says, "The words I have spoken to you are pneuma, our breath, our strong breeze, and they are our life It's this breath of God, meaning that the words on the pages of Scripture, they're alive. Like, they're not just normal words. They are alive. They are the very breath of God. And so that's what I want us to experience, right, so that in your faith, in your journey with, with God, your Christian life is not one that's stale, is not one that's robotic or rote or weak, but it's one that has the very breath and life of God on the inside of it. And the truth is, so many of us are running our race without the breath of God in our lungs. So can I say, no wonder you're tired. No wonder you're worn out. No wonder sometimes things seem seem hard and we repeat old habits and old patterns and we, we don't veer off the trail that God has for us because we've left this ruach, this pneuma, like on the pages of history, on the pages of God's word, or we've left them in the songs that we sing and never fully experience them in our own life, empowering us and strengthening us on the inside. So here's what I suggest. Let's talk about wind. Because if that's really what the the word means, spirit, ruach, pneuma, like there are some characteristics of wind then, I believe, that will help us understand better the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. The first one is this, write it down, is that it is unseen. Wind is unseen. You can't see wind, but you can feel it. It's unseen, but it's not unfelt. In the Bible, John chapters 14, 15, and 16 are Jesus headed towards the cross. Uh, Jesus came to pay for the sins of the world. And he was crucified, dead, buried, raised on the third day by God, proving that he was who he says he was, victorious, so he conquered sin and death. And if you put your, your trust in him, your belief in him, then it says he'll save you from the penalty of sin. That's, that's the gospel message. But on those last days, John 14, 15, and 16, he was having a conversation with his disciples, with his followers. One of those happened in the upper room or the Last Supper. Some of you have heard that before. What do you think was on Jesus' heart in mind to share with his disciples before he went to the cross. Like, obviously it was important, right? Obviously that his last words would carry a lot of weight. You know what it was about? The Holy Spirit. Like, the vast majority of what Jesus was trying to tell them before he went to the cross was about the Holy Spirit. He says, look, guys, I'm going to pay for your sins. I'm going to pay for the sins of, of the world. I'm going to the cross, but I'm not going to leave you alone. Like, I'm going to send... Another. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Here's the word in John 14, starting in verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Maybe in your, your translation of the Bible, it says comforter. Uh, it could say counselor. And look what his job is, by the way. His job is not to be weird. His job is not to be spooky. His job is not to freak people out. His job is to help you. He's to help us, to help us and to be with us forever is the spirit of truth he's going to guide you in truth and he's going to give you the world can't accept him the Bible says in other words the world is going to think you're you're crazy they're going to laugh at you because we can't accept what we cannot see because it neither sees him nor knows him how many of you know people are only comfortable accepting what they see a lot of people are uncomfortable with a God a side of God a part of God that you can only only feel And so I think there's a lot of people going to church that are rejecting the Holy Spirit because we can't wrap our brains around it. Because we've relegated God to what we can only comprehend. And the challenge is we want God to fit inside of the box in our our logic. And listen, I'm all all for logic. I'm all for academics and studying. Don't hear me say that ever, right? But if you, you let your God be the size of Of what you can only imagine or the size of you know what you can only fit into your brain can I tell you you're gonna have a small God you're gonna have a God that's not very powerful because I don't know about you but I need a God that is a lot bigger than what I can think or imagine I need a God who is supernatural who can do more than I can ask I need a God who can heal people I need a God who can empower me for living give me joy and give me peace but if I confine him to what I only understand then I'm going to have a very limited view of God. When God is not limited at all, he is unlimited. That's the, that's the unseen, you know, being, being seen when God shows up because look what happens in verse 17. But you're going to know him because he's going to live with you and be in you. He's not, he's not unfelt, but he is unseen. In fact, this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.4. He says, hey, we don't come to you with eloquent words, you know, or, or a persuasive kind of speech. My message and my preaching were not with wise, per- persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Not with just, you know, my own wit or wisdom. It's with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Can I tell you something? The last thing a lot of us need is to come in here and hear a nice little talk. We don't need another explanation of who the Holy Spirit is. We need an experience with him come on somebody we don't need another like talk we need a demonstration of how he works in and through our lives like we desperately need that and I think that's uh, why a lot of you come by the way because you knew you could show up here maybe after a stale dead week where you had no more um, oxygen in your lungs and you could get a little breath back in your lungs where you could go man God, you're you're here, and this is what what I needed. Every so often, uh, people will go, Colby, it's like you're reading my mail, or Colby, it's like you're at my house this week because what you talked about was exactly what I needed. Can I tell you something? Like, honestly, I'm not that good. Like, that has zero to do with me. You need to know that. Whatever connected in your heart and your mind, maybe during a message, had nothing to do with me. I'm not that good. That was was the Holy Spirit. He was with you in your time at home, who was with me in my studying. And so when He deposited that thing inside of my heart that connected with you, you know what? That was a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Hey, this church, if I can be completely honest with you, I am not that good of a leader. Thank you for not saying amen. I did hear one person laugh. (laughs) I'm not that good. Our teams are unbelievable, but we're not that good. To go from 15 people in a living room to 30 people in a library to 15, 1,600 people here on a weekend, we're not that good. You know what that is? A demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all it is. That's the only way to explain it. Because we're not that good, but God is that good. And so we desperately need his power in our in our life, in fact, my prayer every single weekend for you is not that, is not that um, you would be moved by a message or you'd be moved by a moment in worship or, you know, great lights or great video or phenomenal preaching that you get every single weekend. Ha, ha, I've got you back. But my prayer for you is that you'd have a moment. where, no matter what was happening, that God engages your heart and you're like, oh, my God, you're here. Like, I feel like you're, you're filling my lungs back up. I can be refreshed again to do what you've called me to do. That's, that's the unseen being seen. That's a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. The second thing you need to know that I think um, looking at wind help us, helps us to discern about the Spirit is that he's unpredictable. Just like wind. He's unpredictable. Jesus said this in John 3, 8, that the wind... Alright, that's in fact that's one of the, the only places that they actually use the, the right translation of the word Numa. He says the the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus is saying that the Spirit of God is, is like the wind in the in the way that He's unpredictable that you can't confine him. You don't know where he's coming. You don't know where he is going. He can't be contained. And some of us, we really don't like this side of God. We like a a contained, a predictable kind of God in our our life. And if you like an orderly boxed God, can I tell you something? He's going to mess you up like big time because he doesn't work that way. He, He doesn't he doesn't work the same way every single time. You know, you know why he doesn't work the same way every single time? Because if he did, if he showed up the same way every single time, you would begin to worship the system of how he showed up instead of him. And that's not what God wants because here's what happens. A lot of times people will go, I had this unbelievable experience with God, whatever it was, and we'll go like, then that's it. That's it. Like, that was the experience. And if he doesn't show up that way again, then it's not God. So every time, you know, I have that experience, then that must be God show up in my, uh, showing up in my, my life. But if you don't experience the same way I experienced him, then you must have not experienced God. You know, I experienced God. And so denominations are formed out of that. Because one person had one experience, one time, and said, this is the way that God shows, shows up. And it draws line. And God's like, no, you can't confine me to a singular experience. Like, I'm outside of that. Because if you worship the, the experience, right, that you had, then you won't worship God. Then you won't trust him. I say that because one time God showed up and spoke to somebody in a burning bush. One time. Like, has he ever shown up to anyone in a burning bush in this room and spoke to you? No, because if he you had, you post about it on Facebook. It would have six trillion views, right? God showed up in a bush. One time he did that. So what if Moses had taken that one time, gone back to the people of Israel and said, Hey, this is how God talks. Bushes on fire. Bushes. That's the only way he talks. He doesn't talk any other way Then they would have been waiting, you know, for another bush. God's like, I don't just work in one way. One time Jesus healed a guy. Two guys that were blind by touching their eyes. And they could see. And another time a blind guy came up and the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, this guy's blind too. Do you want to heal him? And Jesus was like, yeah, I'll heal him. And they're back there thinking, all right, cool. Jesus is going to touch their eyes. He's going to touch their eyes because, you know, they thought the power was in the hand instead of that was in the man. And they're like, he's going to touch his eyes. He's going to do that thing. And Jesus is like, oh, I know where you're going with this. And so he didn't do it that way. Instead, what did he do? He spit in the dirt and he made some mud and he put it on their eyes. And the disciples are going, that's nasty right there, right? Like, that's disgusting. Because he didn't want them worshiping the way that he did it that one time. He's like, I know what you guys are thinking, that if I touch the eyes or if I snap my fingers and spin around, or I do the whooshy finger, then that's, that's the system of how I heal people. He's like, I don't want you to, to follow the system. I don't want you to follow the thing. I want you to follow me. I'm not here to get into your flow of doing things. You're here to get into my flow of how I do things. And otherwise, if we confine God to our own comprehension, then we limit God, who is unpredictable, who moves in in different ways that we can't even understand. So we have to be careful not to confine him to what we can only comprehend. For some of you, it could be why you don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because God's trying to bypass your brain. Now, I'm not saying check your brain at the door. Like, if you know me, that's the furthest thing. I'm all for studying. I'm all for, for, for learning and getting deep into God's word. But it could be you can't get outside of your own head to experience all that God wants for you. And you try to filter everything that he has for you through your own mind, through your own eyes, what you can see or not. When he wants to filter it through something deeper than that. He wants to filter it through your, through your heart. Something he wants to do in your your life. Sometimes we got to get beyond, right, what what fits into our own little box. Because can I tell somebody, God doesn't do boxes. He's not a box God. That's not going to work for him. In fact, this nation needs a revival, I believe, like never before. But it's not going to happen because we've relegated God to what we can only comprehend. It's going to happen because God moves in a way that we don't understand. And that's the kind of God that we need. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. He's unseen. He's unpredictable. And he's also powerful. He's a powerful God. Like wind. Wind is powerful, is it not? Like wind that can move, you know, thousands of tons ships across the ocean. Wind that can power cities through, through electricity and turbines. Wind that also can have devastating effects through hurricanes and tornadoes that I heard maybe touched down just a little bit ago like off of Robinson Road, potentially. We're praying that everyone's safe. But her, like, winds are, are powerful. We see the same powerful nature of wind uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, that John baptized, which, by the way, when it's John baptized, that's not like his denominational, like, it's not like John the Baptist, Paul was a Presbyterian, Mark was a Methodist. That's not how it works, all right? Just so you know, like, he baptized, he was a baptizer, meaning that he immersed people in water. In water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, Lord, you know, has the time come for you to free Israel and for you to restore our kingdom? In other words, they were concerned with all the man-made stuff, all the, the governmental things like, hey, what we want to know what's going to happen, you know, when are you going to come back and, and we're going to restore the, the kingdom here? Jesus is like, the father alone knows that, you know, I don't know that. In other words, he's like, I don't even want to talk about that right now not interested in that. Here's what I want to talk about. Verse 8, he says, but you will receive power. Unbelievable power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and it will give you power to be my witnesses. Power to, it doesn't say you're going to have power, and it's going to make you weird. It doesn't say that. And power is going to freak people out. No, you're going to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem and Judea, all around the world. And can I tell you, we need that. Like the call of God on your life is so great that you can't do it apart from the way he wants to empower you. The way he wants to work in and through you. There was a guy that lived most of his life in the early to mid-1800s. His name was Charles Finney. Some of you may have heard of him. He's considered to be the father of modern day revivals. And he was a part of two um, awakenings, I guess they call it, uh, in the United States where it would actually change cultures. These, these revivals had such an impact on, on cities and on cultures, it would just completely change them. But something about Charles Finney was he was an attorney, and he actually pushed back against the Christian faith. He didn't want anything to do with it because it didn't fit within his brain, his logical way of thinking, but God pursued him over and over and over. He finally surrendered his life to follow Jesus, and then he writes about this encounter that he has With the Holy Spirit. Let me read it to you. It's in a little bit of Old English, so you'll just have to keep that in mind. But he said this As I turned and I was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost without any expectation of it, and without having any thought in my mind that there was such a thing for me, and without having any recollection of it mentioned by any person in the world. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner through and through me, indeed, in a way that seemed to go through me, body and soul, he said. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity that seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. I love that. Then he said, It seemed like the very breath of God. You know why? Because it was. It was God breathing his spirit into his life, empowering him to do what he was called to do. That was to change cultures and be a part of this, this spiritual awakening, this revival. He had this power, and you and I need that too, to do everything God has asked us to do. But here's what I think it's going to take two things, and I'm going to start to shut this down. It's going to take two things in order for us to walk on this, this journey, walk this journey with the Holy Spirit. And the first is this, let go of of fear. We reject what we don't understand. We reject experiences we don't understand. We walk these well-worn paths and trails in our life, and Psalm 34, 4 says, I prayed to the Lord, and He answered my prayer, and He freed me from all my fears. For some of you, I'm just asking you to do that. Ask God to release you from your fears. Don't ask God. You know, I'm not saying trust Colby, trust what I have to say. I'm just saying seek God. Like, ask him. Ask him to, to remove some of those ideas and misconceptions and bad experiences perhaps that you've had with them because his word is clear. We desperately need God's spirit to empower us. And again, don't take my word for it. Start with a blank page. And just say, God, what do you have to say? And you're going to realize as you, as you dive into his word, he is neither unbiblical or outdated, right, that, that God only has good gifts for us, by the way, that he's not going to give anything to his children that's, that's bad, that's going to make them weird, or anything like that, he only has good things for us, that's what you're going to discover with a blank page, so Proverbs 3, 5 says, just trust God, and just trust God, and stop trying to figure out stuff on your own, trust God from the bottom of your heart, don't try to figure out everything on your own, you have to do that. Then here's the second thing you have to do. I'll have the band come back out, and that is to go all in. To go all in. In fact, uh, this might be my little bit of a soapbox moment. Um, And this is not for everyone in this room. For a lot of you, I might be preaching to the choir. So if that is you, I'm preaching to the choir, you go ahead and forgive me in advance. That's in God's word too. Forgive your pastor in advance for what he's about to say. I'll have people tell me from time to time that, Colby, I'm going to go all in. And when they say that, what they mean is they're going to go all in as long as it fits within their schedule. I'm going to go all in with Jesus and then they come to church like once or twice maybe a month. Like, oh, I'm going to go all in but, but I'm not really going to get that involved. And I just think Uh, With all due respect, we have different ideas of what all in means. You just have different ideas. And if you want to experience all that God has for you, you can't go in uh, halfway. Like God wants us to, to go all in with him. Like the moment that I did that, I came to the realization, for me at least, like, like that meant, I was going to church every single weekend. I was getting around a community of believers. I was gonna engage my, my mind with God's word. I was gonna get, engage my heart through worship. I, that's what going all in meant for me. I never thought about skipping. Wasn't even, didn't even think about it. I never thought about not serving. If God's word says that he's gifted me and empowered me to do something in the body of Christ, which he has for everyone in this room, I didn't even th- consider not using that gift to make an impact because his word told me I needed to. I didn't consider not tithing. And I know that's t- touchy. I never even crossed my mind not to do it because God's word told me to trust him. To me, that's what all in means. And some of us need to get to the place where we'd say, all right, if I'm going all in and God's word tells me that, that I, I need to confess my sins to him for forgiveness, but I need to confess to others for healing, then I'm gonna get in a group. I'm gonna get some accountability in my life. I'm gonna get off this well-worn path that I'm on and I'm gonna allow God to do some changes in my heart. I'm going all in. Maybe it means you saying, I'm gonna go all in. If God's word says it's better to give than to receive, then I'm gonna give, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna do everything that I can. That's what all in looks like. That's what all in means. Some of you, you gotta stop testing God and you gotta start trusting God. Like take him at his word. Like, that's what all in looks like. Jeremiah 29 says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. When you seek me with, what's that word? All. Hey, not some, not halfway, you know this. That's as if to say, if you don't seek me with all, if you don't go all in, it could be that you're not going in at all. Because God doesn't do the halfway thing if you want to experience all that God has for you, if you want the breath of God to be breathed into your life, to give you power to live how he wants you to live, it's going all in. Like all in. How many of you have ever um, gotten to a, a freezing cold pool? Like a pool that was ice cold. I heard that the Lazy River at Waldemir right now is ice cold. All right? Maybe you've checked it out. But there's two ways to get into a freezing cold pool. Is there not? Like the first way is you kind of, toe the water a little bit you're like oh that's cold you just kind of touch it a little bit like oh that's cold and then it's this is torture by the way to do it this way and then you just kind of go down a little oh you know that's freezing and you're just kind of shivering you just kind of wait there for a moment to try and like get acclimated to it and then you get down a little bit more a little bit more and then when you get into your waist guys come on it's like like that's the worst is it not that's like torture and if you're just waist deep in a cold pool, you are for sure peeing in that pool. All right? Just so you know. Because you're hot up top, you're cold down below. Don't lie to me. Don't look at me like you haven't done that. All right? You are peeing in that pool. That's the worst way to get in a pool. Hey, spiritually speaking, can I tell some of us in this room, stop peeing in the pool? Like, go all in. Go all in. Like sometimes it's hard, it's scary, we reject the things that we don't understand, but I've learned the best way to jump into a cold pool is to get back, is to say, I don't know what it's gonna feel like, I don't know what's gonna happen, I'm not sure you know what it's gonna look like, how cold it really is, there's a lot of things that I don't understand, but you take a run and you jump and you go dive in. Like head first, feet first, you just get all in, submerged in it. That refreshes you it restores you that's what God wants us to do with him is it go all in like stop playing around with it and just go all in with it and can I tell you the moment that I did that I did not have a Charles Finney experience but God doesn't just work in one way because I would not be able to do what I'm doing I would not be able to to lead this church without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life and in my heart giving me different gifts, different things that he wants me to do. And so you might not have that same experience, and that's okay. But can I tell you something? God does have an experience for you. He wants you to get off this well-worn trail that you're on, going in circles in your life, feeling like there's there's nothing different, to stop rejecting the things that we don't understand, and finally let the breath of the Holy Spirit breathe into your lungs and empower you to do what he wants you to do. In fact, here's the prayer everyone needs to ask right now. And this is the place that I came to. God, whatever you have for me, I want it. No questions asked. I don't understand it all. I don't get it all. But if you have something for me, I'll take it. I want it. So let's do this right now. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. And if you feel comfortable, just put your palms up in your lap just in a posture of of receiving whatever God has for you. For those of you that are followers of Jesus in this room, maybe you've been living life out of breath, living life in in a pattern that you're stuck in, living life with no joy and no peace and no contentment. And Paul says, there's a secret that I got for you, that you, in any and every situation, can discover this peace and contentment in your life, a peace that passes all understanding. So it palms up. Maybe you just pray in your heart to God, God, if you have it for me, I'll take it. No questions asked. Here I am. I can't do this without you. I need you to fill me and restore me. I need to be empowered to do all that you've called me to do. God, fill my life with your breath. And while we're all praying, there might be some of you in this room today, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You wouldn't say you're a follower of Jesus, but you need to understand that God's brought you to this moment, I believe, for you to hear how much he loves you. How much he cares for you that he sent his son Jesus to pay for the sins of the world, including your sins the Bible says the moment we call on him, confess him as Lord, we will be, be saved. So what that means is he doesn't hold your sins against you, that he allowed his son to take on the, the punishment for our sins that we deserved, and he stood in our place so that we would not have to be separated from God because of our sins, because God can't handle that. God doesn't allow sin to be a part of, of, of him at all. And so Jesus bridged that gap so we could have a relationship with God. And maybe you've never crossed that line of faith. And I want to give you some language to simply do that. Uh, it's a prayer. Um, the way that we communicate with God is through prayer. If you'd say, Colby, when you pray that, I'm praying right along with you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just right now hold your head up, hand up high and be bold. And just say, I'm going to pray with you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. Awesome. Praise God for all of you guys. Praise God for the girls in the room too. You can just say something like this to him. Jesus, today, I ask you to save me. Forgive me for my sin. I repent, and I I believe that you died for me in my place, and the moment I confess you as Lord, you remove all those sins in my life as far as the east is from the west. And so today, I confess you as Lord and Savior, and I believe that God raised you from the dead so that I could be raised to a new life in Christ. Take my life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, you guys, celebrate today.